0: Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health.
1: Hi, this is Tom Salemi, Content Director at Healthogy. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with our host, Steve Krupa of the Silos Group. Hey, Steve.
2: Hey, Tom. How are you? Doing
1: great, thanks. Another great interview lined up today, and it it, it was a company that we had uh, at the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, uh, TigerText. Um, glad you you tracked them down, and it was a a great uh, discussion. It was Brad Brooks, actually, the CEO, was on the panel, and I know you spoke with uh, Andrew, the chief medical officer, in this interview. But it's just the whole dynamic of of the the bringing smartphone and text tech, text tech, tech technology into the clinical workspace, and, and the challenges that go along with that. What what uh, I mean? It must be frustrating. We have we have smartphones in our everyday lives, but you go to work in a hospital if you're a, a doctor or a nurse, and very often uh, you can't use them. You can't use this very efficient way of everyday communication.
2: Yeah, I mean I think they they are sort of using them, but wouldn't admit to mm-hmm. using them. And uh, I you know I can remember being you know in a, uh, um, a a clinic of a large hospital system, and I was watching people use their smartphones to text. One another, and I, I didn't really have the guts to ask whether or not it was HIPAA compliant texting or not. And, but they seem to be, you know, using them the way you would expect to. And, and and the thing about it is, is that you know, at least my job, I can do primarily through email. It's very, it's a very batch oriented job. You, know? You, know, you send me a an email that says, you know, hey, let's talk, and I send you one back, and we schedule it, and we get on the phone. But when you're in the middle of taking care of uh, someone that presents themselves in the emergency room, um, you want to be able to communicate immediately and you want to be able to be thorough and you want to know what's going on and convey information. And up to the point of text messaging, all they were able to do is really walk around and talk to each other, right? Which is mm-hmm. a fairly inefficient and you know, ineffective way to do that. So the opening up the door for text messaging inside of hospitals is a way to improve the flow of information in the moment while you're treating patients at a minimum. Um, and I think that that was the initial uh, mission of Tiger Text.
1: And I was astounded. I don't want to give away the number, but by the number of beepers still in circulation, mm. I was reminded of uh, Tina Fey's boyfriend in uh, Rock. <laughs> <out. laughs>
2: <laughs> well, somebody's got to have a beeper, I guess. And, you know, it's more than likely to be you know Doctor Beeper, right from Caddyshack. But it's a, you know, certainly That's doctors right. have beepers, which is absurd, right?
1: Uh, and and you got into in uh, sort of the creation of the company and and the 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 two brothers working together and yeah. creating this company. I thought that was a nice dynamic. And, and the third brother, I think, is a physician as well. So the the yeah. family is uh, is doing all right.
2: Well, the younger brother got to be the CEO, right? So mm-hmm. that was sort of like my first question was who got to run the company. Um, but the other thing with Andrew is is that you know he's you know he's made that he's crossed the line, right? You know, a lot of the phenomenon that we're, we're learning through these interviews is at some point, uh, people that um, went to devote themselves to the medical profession, which is not a minor commitment at all you know, relative to other professions that you can choose, uh, at some point decide that they're going to become business people and, and not be doctors anymore. And oftentimes, um, that's a result of seeing you know areas inside of medicine that they want to try to improve. Uh, you know, through the environment of starting a business versus through being a clinician, and I think that seems to be the case with Andrew.
1: Yeah, and I think you got that into in, involved or in that uh, discussion last week with with Sean Duffy. Uh, yeah, just, just the rush of talent coming in digital health—it's very exciting. <laughs>
2: well, Sean made his exit before he, <laughs> before point. any any <laughs> sort of like residencies and stuff had to happen to him. Um, and but you know, give him credit—he he found something he wanted to pursue and. And he sounded excited to be doing it. I, and honestly, Andrew sounds just as excited to be doing what he's doing.
1: Yeah, no, it was a great interview, and let's, uh, let's get to it. Terrific. Uh, welcome, Andrew. Yeah, thank you for being here uh, and
0: letting me be here and be uh, a part of this.
2: Yeah, I'm glad we, I'm glad we could, could get this together. Um, I think it's good for the audience to know that this is a company you founded with your brother. Uh, Brad Brooks, the CEO, and he was also uh, on a panel for the uh, Digital Healthcare uh, Innovation Summit. Um, And I asked you the question when we met on, uh, when we met just before the interview, who the older brother was, because I expected the older brother was going to be the CEO, but that's not the
0: case here. Yes. Um, Actually, Brad and I, um, we have very complementary and uh, different skill sets. I come from a medical background. I'm a board-certified orthopedic surgeon. Uh, Brad uh, comes from a finance background, he did an MBA at the University of Chicago so we really kind of built the company from um, the perspective of what do we need to do from a clinician's workflow perspective and Brad is very good on the operational and finance side but also grew up around medicine with our father being a doctor, myself and our other brother so it's really been a a joy to work with Brad and uh, we can do things in shorthand with one another, and it's it's just been terrific. So yeah, and you get just to tighten
2: t- that bond, right? From, from
0: Absolutely. Or- um, we've we've we spend uh, many many hours uh, each week and uh, weekends together talking about uh, what what we're actually doing together and what we're trying to achieve here, uh, which is a which is a, a, a very tall task.
2: You know, it's funny. I, I get I get to to meet a lot of uh, physicians turned uh, business people on slash entrepreneurs uh, in my line of work, and it uh, it always fascinates me to, to to ask the question. I mean, my goodness, uh, it's not like you can just go get a medical degree, right? I mean, they make you work hard for that thing, and you, then you come out, you practice medicine, and at some point along the way, something uh, clicked in the back of your mind. It said, you know, I want to get into the business side of things. Do you remember what that was and when it happened for you?
0: Yeah, for me, um, I I remember it very clearly. I never thought about business from any perspective in any way, shape, or form. I went to college with the idea of uh, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I I always liked to build models as a kid. In fact, I thought I wanted to very early on. Surgery very much attracted me because you could go in and actually do something and fix things. Mm -hmm. And I never thought about anything. The only class I took that was remotely close to business was a macroeconomics class. Um, I went through my training, which was uh, about 14 years of training. Um, and almost immediately when I started practice, I started uh, the hospital. I was on staff at. That was a very large hospital in uh, Los Angeles called Cedar sinai And almost immediately, I started sensing the tremendous inefficiency in the way we delivered health care. Up until that time, it really wasn't my interest. I was more interested in learning how to do uh, minimally invasive surgery, how to tie knots better in the shoulder, but I was sort of struck by the um, overwhelming inefficiency and started uh, looking at ways to improve efficiency. And The first company I I, uh, founded uh, was an outpatient surgical center business. I started looking at how patients that were normally uh, healthy were being plugged into an inpatient environment where there were non-healthy sick patients. And, mm. you know, that company sort of grew. And then bit by bit, I started doing other things. Um, so it was really a slow path. I practiced for about 15, 16 years. But over after about seven, eight years, started diminishing the amount of practice. And it was a, quite a psychological transition for me, I have to say. I did, uh, it, it, you identify so much as your role as a surgeon um, right. And to make that transition was tough, um, but it was slow for me.
2: And it, 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 you were an orthopedic surgeon, right? So you were working on uh, doing the carpentry of the body, if you will.
0: You know, yeah, it. effectively, um, <laughs> yeah, I was a sports med um, specialist. Uh, that's what I did my fellowship in. And um, my practice was focused on uh, minim- minimally invasive surgery of the knee and shoulder.
2: Cool. So now you're now you're involved here, and I, and I would imagine. First of all, I don't think uh, you're alone in this inefficiency thing. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. Some people say it's a trillion. Some people say it's seven hundred and fifty billion. But it's it's a pre- it's a pretty big number, and uh, sadly, I think it's it's something that's being recognized more and more by by patients. Um, I mean, my sense is, and I, I'd love your point of view on this, that even the, at the patient level, when they go to see the doctor, they they can sort of feel that there's a lot of inefficiency that goes on out there, uh, in the, in the clinical environment
0: today. Oh, I completely agree with that. Um, it's, it's very sad. I I unfortunately had the personal experience of actually being a patient about uh, 24 months ago, I was in a motor vehicle accident and I was taken to, um, actually Cedar sinai by ambulance. And, uh, I was on the backboard in a neck brace, um, uh, I was I was knocked unconscious, but I would say the first 35 to 40 minutes of my experience coming into the hospital involved uh, me just hearing, um, pecking away on a keyboard with somebody, a clinician sitting in front of the keyboard, you know, effectively acting as a data entry clerk and really not looking at me as a patient um, and understanding or asking me what was going on. And I think the core of medicine that's, Medicine is an art that's grounded in science and that patient connection to the uh, physician or nurse or whoever's caring for them um, has really been uh, eroded in a massive way by um, EHRs requiring effectively these people to become data entry clerks. Um, And I just think, you know, over time, we're in a system where we have massive amounts of EMR data requirements and there's just been this slow... But steady wicking away of time, which people spend in a healthcare system that is exploding because there's more and more people coming onto the roles mm-hmm. um, and being provided healthcare. But there's been this um, diminution, if you will, of that connection of the physician to their patients.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm talking with uh, Andrew Brooks, the co founder of Tiger Text. And the cool thing about Tiger Text is a name for a company, Andrew, is like, can figure out some part of what your business model is from the name. Um, but I know, you know, just in, 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 in having heard Brad speak and doing some research on the company, um, that, that really what I think your focus is is, is taking mobility and trying to expand some of the efficiencies that we get in our lives from being able to use mobile phones and mobile communications and apply that to the world of medicine. Is that a good way to think about your company?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, You know, we look at, you know, as a company, we are benefiting from basically two sort of large macro trends. One is, um, and I'm not saying that EHRs and EMRs are a bad thing, because I think we needed to start somewhere by being able to sort of coalesce massive amounts of data. So moving from paper to digitization, I think, was very important. And, you know, obviously we're benefiting from that as um, as a company that's focused on moving that data. Right. And then the second large macro trend is the rise of smartphones. Um, we couldn't be in business as we are um, eight years ago before there was massive adoption of smartphones. So you know effectively, as a company, what we're doing is we look at the messenger as sort of the central aspect of uh, if you think of a bicycle wheel, we're sort of at the hub that allows the messenger to go into these varying systems that have data. It could be a lab. It could be an EHR. It could be an alert system. It could be a a scheduling system to find out who's on call. There's sort of infinite amounts of things, but allows that messenger to go in, access the data, bring it back into the messenger, and in a secure, compliant way be able to act on it. And that's the lubricant of these communication pathways that's really the secret sauce as to why we're exploding as a company
2: yeah so so let let's dig in a little bit um a little bit there give me give me a sort of uh a description from your from your point of view uh of the of the product and and the features of the of the product in terms of where where you are today and where
0: you're where you're planning on taking it yeah so the product itself um we basically have two sort of core businesses within tiger text um first one is a a subscription based product, which um, you can either, an organization can go on and load it up and use it in a free manner. They don't have the admin controls, which is what we sell. Most of our customers, which is now, um, we have over 250,000 um, paying customers. We're, over, we're in over 5,000 uh, healthcare facilities. We're in four of the five largest for profit hospitals. But basically, what they're doing is they're looking at their own internal communications amongst physicians, nurses, ancillary staff, and saying, "Well, we have um, these large numbers of people that we need to coordinate and communicate with, but we don't necessarily uh, we know we can't use normal SMS texting. One is people don't want to give out their private phones, and two, uh, there's a law, uh, HIPAA." that requires us to use a secure message um, platform.
2: So they better so not we'll, be using their own
1: devices, basically.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, but yes. Well, well, certainly they don't. Um, they they're certainly ought not, not complying. to be, right? Yes. Yeah. They're certainly not complying. Yeah. So, um, so the two aspects of our business is one, that large, that subscription business that allows internal walled-off communication amongst any organization. Um, and then the second part of our business, which is very exciting, which is really this recent round that we did. A lot of the effort and funds that we've gotten from that are going to be directed toward that. So we have a product called Tiger Connect, and that allows the messenger to be able to drop into almost any kind of platform that requires secure messaging. So an example of that would be um, a drug company. We, we just signed a large deal, which I believe um, is going to be um, a seven-figure deal for us when this gets released, where they have a drug that's a very successful blockbuster drug that requires compliance. It's a once a week injection, and this particular company, the compliance rate is only about fifty percent. So they were looking for a way to humanize their drug company as sort of not being this you know amorphous, faceless company with their patients and with the providers. They created their own app, but rather than go out and build the messenger to be able to. Talk to the patients and connect them back to their company and the physicians to remind them about compliance and answer any questions they just took our product and dropped it in um, without having to build it the, just you know one thing about the messaging piece is you know when we started this endeavor we didn't think it was going to be that complicated um, but to actually get a secure messenger working across you know Android iOS tablet desktop synchronizing of mm-hmm. all the data analytics platform has turned out to be you know far more complex and we have about 60 plus engineers at this point just working on this full-time um, okay. keeping it smooth up and running updating it integrating new features so it it sounds trivial I know but yeah. it really isn't
2: <laughs> well yeah, I mean I, I, I want to dig in just on that point and and before I do that let me just uh, Remind the listeners that you did just close a, it's public knowledge now, a uh, $50 million round of financing uh, led by our friend uh, uh, Dr. Mittendorf over there at Northwest Ventures. Who else was in that round, uh, Andrew? Just to give everybody their... their, um,
0: their... We had another, um, a, a lot of our original VCs came in for their uh, Prorata, mm-hmm. um, or- Orbimed, which is a large uh, healthcare fund. Um, it came back in. Shasta Ventures was a, as a one of our original investors. Um, Invis, a new uh, um, partner came in. Um, so we had a number of you know um, our existing investors re-upped, and then uh, Norwest, and then uh, a couple other ones um, joined.
2: Well, good. Congratulations. That's a big deal. It's a it's a big sign. Uh, when you're able to raise that kind of capital, that you're you're uh, you're headed in the right dire- direction for sure um, with the business. So, so let's go back to secure messaging for a second. Um, I don't want to make an inappropriate comparison, but I know there are mes- there are server-based messaging uh, technologies out there uh, that are used on the consumer side, um, where basically the server controls the message, it documents the message, um, and you can actually put rules in there, right? And some of these some of these to delete the message. Um, in, in a period of time. So the actual content of the message doesn't reside on your phone at all. Um, and then, of course, there's got to be some encryption back and forth as you start to send that. Is that is that the type of uh, technological uh, structure that you guys work on in terms of making your text secure?
0: Yeah, I mean, effectively, the the... The whole thing around the compliance um, aspect and what makes the uh, messaging secure is, kind of as you alluded to, the message actually doesn't live anywhere unless the client chooses to archive it, um, which is about half of our clients do for varying reasons. Um, But what makes it secure is that you've authenticated the user on both ends of the channel. So by authenticating them, um, you know, if you have a normal SMS, you can send it to almost any phone, and assuming the person has it's, it's a legitimate number, they can get that information. Um, even on a even on a consumer-grade messenger, let's say like WhatsApp or Telegram, there's no authentication actually required. Okay. So um, the key to this is the authentication piece, and then you know, effectively, if you just think about it very simply, what we're doing with the data is compressing it into this digital envelope that is secure and then it's basically transmitted um, through our platform. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we have, I mean, this is sort of the bread and butter of the underlying aspect of what makes the uh, product secure, um, and that's what our team actually does. Um,
2: yeah, so I assume that if I were a care team, and it sounds like if you're in a hospital, uh, doctors and nurses and, and people on that care team m- would have access to an application like this. Um, it sounds like as they're... And I actually, you know, like, I, I I didn't have a car accident, but I've been in the ER actually twice in the last 24 months. Um, Sorry to hear that. Yeah, um, but I did notice... <laughs> I did notice while I was in there that they were using their cell phones, and of course, I'm tuned into this kind of stuff. I didn't say anything to them. Like, I, I sure hope that's a secure app you're using or anything like that, but I would imagine you, you can document... Some of the communications that take place to the extent that it's relevant for a diagnosis or for triage—is um, that—is that the type of uh, application that you guys would be involved in?
0: Yeah, very much so. So, um, you know, one of the like things is let's say um, consult delivery. Um, you know, the normal workflow for a consult of a patient in in a hospital is you would go to um, you'd see a patient, and let's say um, me as an orthopedic surgeon. I was concerned about the patient's breathing, and let's say they were coughing up uh, sp- sputum that was, you know, yellow, and I wanted to not get a pulmonary consult before I discharge him. I'm concerned, so I would go to the, I'd write an order for it. Um, the unit secretary would then transcribe the order; it'd go into the EHR, and then uh, they would call the physician's office and say, "Dr. Brooks requested a consult," and then there's a you know, a lag between the physician getting the message that maybe they're doing a the procedure, maybe they're not in the office, maybe they're seeing patients. And ultimately, they get it, and then um, they'll go see the patient. So in that context, what would happen now is um, the message would come right out of the EHR, the health record, with contextual-based information saying, this patient was asked to be, – you've been asked to see this patient. Give the patient a name, the medical record the reason why you've been asked to see them and the underlying admitted diagnosis. So they get a contextual based um, message that has um, delivery notification, read notification, and uh, our analytics dashboard has all that metadata stored. It doesn't store the content of the message, mm-hmm. but it kind of once you have those sort of checks in place where the person knows that they got the message, it actually has sped up console times. And you know, we live in a DRG environment where a lot of times people are admitted with a, um, a diagnosis and there's one payment to it. So you can imagine that the more quickly you can move people to the system, the more efficiently they move through the system, the more savings there are. Right. And we're just basically at the very early stages of scratching the surface of, you know, a $3 trillion industry that is, you know, believe it or not, we can put a gamma beam into the middle of someone's brain to eradicate a tumor but when you ask for the op report of that they're going to ask you for your fax number. Uh, it's, <laughs> it crazy. Crazy. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's
2: crazy. It's crazy. Or you know to see your images. So just just so I understand you you're, you're you're essentially saying that the the ability via text messaging, which text messaging sounds simple, right? But you're saying via this secure server-based text messaging, you have the ability to distribute some amount of clinical information about a patient to a, to a to to someone that would be taking care of them, um, so that they don't have to stop what they're doing, go over to the computer, look up the EM, EMR record. Maybe it's there, maybe it's not. Right, and then I'm, I'm assuming that they would then be able to document, hopefully through the mobile network, also uh, what what your recommendation was, and so that it, that could ultimately be absorbed by the EMR. Is that is that part of what you're thinking about?
0: Yeah. So. Um... That, that is in part. Um, but one of the things that sort of lost the think on uh, people, um, which as a clinician I know this to be very uh, critical, is that a lot of communication with medicine and patient care is not as formal as you would think. And you will say things to another clinician about a patient. I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that, or even personal things. Ah, you know, the patient is a bit of an alcoholic uh, patient. has got a little bit of a crazy personality. Or, you know, these you know these types of things are not things that you want to be writing in the EMR where it's sort of a permanent record. So on TigerText, it allows you to take that information. You could then have a conversation with that particular consultant that you know necessarily is not going to be part of the EMR. Uh-huh. Um, and that's sort of the more informal way that we do work as, uh, as clinicians. So, um, but if you have something that's formal that you want to be forwarded into the EMR, let's say like a, a, uh, an order for a drug, then there's, there's optionality where that can get forwarded and be, become part of the, you know, the permanent record. But there's a lot of things in medicine, um, and I would say the vast majority of clinical care um, is not necessarily things that you want recorded as part of the EHR and, and where it's permanent. And one of, the, one of the things that we talk about all the time as clinicians is, you know, the EMR, or the EHR, is kind of where you will put data and information that you don't mind lawyers reading. Tiger text is actually where you do your work. Gotcha. Um, because a lot of times anybody and everybody can say things that some little bit of data or message could get taken out of context, and then somebody could run with it in the wrong direction where it really is not accurate. So doctors and, and, and clinicians are very sensitive around what they're putting in notes.
2: That's an excellent point, and I, and I, and I think that makes total sense to me. Uh, the idea that you can use remote communications because everybody's not in the same room to distribute you know, immediate conversational-based information and uh, to improve the efficiency and to improve the ab- ability uh, for uh, providers to work together. So if we, if we begin to, to think of the product and um, from that standpoint, when you are talking to a customer, are you talking to the physicians, are you talking to the hospitals, um, and, and what are you describing as the overall
0: value proposition of, of working with your system? There's a number of things that we discuss, but, you know, one of the massive things that um, we've been able to show now and we've been able to demonstrate through our own uh, data um, and independent studies that have validated this across a number of different systems is there's a massive ROI just around better communication. And when you talk about, you know, being able to deliver a, you know, critical lab and get action on it right away, If you look at um, imaging services like uh, MRI, like we we have a radiologist at one of the major hospitals here in Southern California. He used to spend about an hour a day, because if you think about it, let's say it takes three to five minutes to call a physician with uh, an imaging result that you really need to communicate some information for. And he does that 12 times a day, which is a very easy number for him to get to. Mm -hmm. Um, And now he can send it via Uh, a tiger text with the key images and his report the physician gets it can acknowledge it maybe he's going to ask a question but they don't get off on these tangential conversations oh how's your wife how's your kids you know you're going to play at at the soccer game this weekend like there's a lot of stuff that is not necessarily germane to what's going on with that patient care but it's more social that gets sort of time wasted or even just being able to reach the person. Maybe the person's not there when you try to call, and then they call back, and now you're in there injecting somebody for a procedure. So it's really, we really on the cell side um, spend a lot of time showing this benefit of the ROI. When, When the patient's being discharged, there's a lot of coordination that goes around what happens to the patient upon discharge, and that's a very critical thing because, When you've coordinated discharge of a patient, the patient really understands what's going on and everybody understands what's going to need to happen with the patient post-hospital visit. Mm -hmm. We've been able to demonstrate um, substantial reductions in in readmission rates. And it's the same on the front end. When somebody gets admitted, there's generally um, a host of things that need to be done to the patient. This test, that study, um, this person needs to come see them. And that can also be accomplished on the front end. And many of our clients are now using this communication where the patient is put at the center of the communication uh, group. And then the people that are involved with the care of that patient surround that patient's group. So everybody's kept up to speed on what's going on with that patient um, real-time. And Mm -hmm. it's really just lubricated that workflow, which creates massive cost savings. So we can now show customers or potential customers, this saves you money. And let us show you how. And let us actually start small. Let's start with one or two workflows. We actually have about 200 workflows that we've mapped out that show this massive savings. But we just say, let's pick one or two to start with. Let's implement with that. And we can show you the benefit right off the bat. And then it just becomes bigger and bigger and snowballs. So
2: a, I love the fact that you went right to ROI with that question because, to me, you know, when you're when you're talking about, especially in in an area where I know your focus is on uh, reducing waste in, in in the healthcare system, um, the first thing you want to be able to do is, at some level, be able to quantify the the benefit, right, and be able to say, you know, this is this is the amount of money that we can save you, or this is the amount of time that we can save you, and to the extent you're a doctor, of course, um, the more time that's available to you. The more, either the more patients that you can see, or the more uh, time you can spend with your patients, both of which have have a significant benefit. Do you have you done, you know, the 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 actual sort of time
0: studies that absolutely. Every, you know, we, I mean, we've done this actually with, with in, a, in a controlled way um, with a number of hospitals, and in fact, what we're doing with our new customers is we actually will go in there and benchmark their current process before. Mm-hmm. And then we put the workflow um, benefit, or, or whichever tool that they choose, be it you know imaging, delivery, consults, admin, discharge, you know one of those workflows. And then we show them for a 90-day period afterwards what happened. And we have not yet had a customer that has not shown substantial savings. And you know, in actuality, the product, when you look at the savings of it, um, it's very cheap. You know, we have one customer that implemented one workflow, just consult delivery. And they're a small hospital, 340-bed hospital in Massachusetts. Um, Just by implementing the consult workflow and being able to get consults done in a more rapid manner, they were able to reduce the average consult time from about 20 hours down to about six. Well, if you look at that in the DRG environment, you take hourly cost of what it is for the patient to be in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Over a a three-month period of time, that saved them about $248,000 $248,000 which is roughly about a million dollars a year just on that one single workflow and keep in mind that customer's cost uh, of the product is about $30,000 a year so um, the savings to these institutions versus the cost of the product is dwarfed um, right. and internally we, we believe um, that there are tens and tens of billions of dollars to be saved in the system and improve patient care allow doctors to get back to being doctors and uh, nurses being able to get back to provide nursing care and have that, that patient to patient being pac- face to patient time where the quality of the interaction is just improved. Um, so we're very mission driven as a company about this. And this is really the heart and soul of what drives us and gets us up every day to go to, go to work and try and improve this problem because it is a problem.
2: Terrific. I mean, um, so it's, 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 it's largely text. Of course, there's other things you can do with phones in terms of using them as, uh, as voice communications and so forth. What is the, the, the vision for the product as you go forward uh, in, in, into the future? Mobility is, as you know, uh, a very new phenomenon. I think uh, it will definitely be a part of healthcare workflow in the future. In fact, I probably imagine all doctors and nurses and others will be using uh, their smartphones to communicate in sort of the healthcare system of the future, across the board, um, where does the product go from from where it is today?
0: Well, um, firstly, the product as it stands today isn't just a text based solution. Um, we are we're, we're actually multimedia. Um, we're text. Uh, you could send photographs, um, and this is a very common use case. This person's in the emergency room with this wound. Send it to a, a specialist. What do you think? Um, or People are using it uh, clinically within their practices. It's a great application for dermatology. Um, people are sending videos of things. Um, there's a radiologist I know who will take a CT scan and actually shoot a short little video as he's pointing out things on the actual scan, and he'll send it to the referring doctor. And then there's also voice notes um, that you can send via uh, Tiger Text. It's an encapsulated secure voice note. Um, and then, you know, what we see kind of going down the road. Is um, we expect at the beginning of 2016 to introduce VoIP, um, so you'll be able to, without having that person's cell phone number, be able to communicate through a um, a, a VoIP conversation, and uh, we we've also already integrated paging into it. So um, you know, people don't realize, but American healthcare today, we still have about two million pagers and. In operation, and <laughs> I, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, and those uh, are
2: non non drug dealer pagers, right? Those are doctors with pagers.
0: <laughs> these are yeah, yeah. There's obviously some drug dealers, yeah. but um, but there are uh, a lot of physicians and <laughs> and answering staff. But I don't see pagers necessarily going uh, the way of the dinosaur. But I believe it's sort of going to be a gradual you know drop off over time as. People realize, hey, you can start to use a smartphone for the same kind of thing. So you could send what we call a Tiger page. A, a, ta- a pager number is assigned to your Tiger Text account. You could call it from a phone. You could leave um, a voice message, and it gets simul scribed. And both the, the voice file as well as the simul subscription, which is actually translated beautifully onto the phone, uh, gets sent to the Tiger Text customer, and then they can hotlink link back to the number that, that, that you've left and call. So, um, you know, bit by bit, we see, you know, incremental things. And our feature set is very much driven by the feedback we get from our customers. Mm-hmm. So um, we're we're very excited about this kind of growth into the mobility aspect of things. And uh, a lot of very exciting stuff is just going to continue down the road.
2: Very good. Um, I'm talking with uh, Andrew Brooks, uh, co-founder and chief medical officer of Tiger Text. Um, last question, I guess, for our, for our discussion, I like to, I like to ask this question principally of, of founders, right? So, so one of the beauties of, of starting your own business is a little bit like starting your own country at some level, right? You get to sort of decide what the value system is, what it's like, and, and how you're going to interact with your employees and how you're going to motivate people, um, and how you're going to you know, you know, build a company and sort of this entity that's a reflection of yourself. So, um, in, in any way you'd like to, I'd like to know what it's like to, to be part of Tiger Text, be part of the team and, and what type of cultural values, uh, you and Brad focus on as you, as you're building this company.
0: Yeah, that's actually, um, that is so important because everything that, um, brad and i think about as it relates to the mission of the company Mm -hmm. and what we're trying to do in uh the macro can never be achieved without the team that we have underneath and i am so proud of the people that we have um been able to attract to the company our uh, senior product guy uh jonathan Podemsky, has just been an incredible guy he was at linkedin before um just uh an incredible talent uh the people that are uh, leading up our Tiger Connect pro- you know process up in uh, the Bay Area, uh, Itamar, uh, Kendall, and uh, Lee Crawford, um, they, the data the Sreenu with the data analytics. I mean, I can go on and on with our folks, but we have just an incredible team of people um, across the company that um, each person. Um, uh, we're just so uh, blessed to be able to attract that kind of talent and it's really just only improved over time. And what's nice about our company is that it isn't just something that is... um, Healthcare is very personal, and I think everybody has some kind of connection to a healthcare experience, either to themselves or a relative or a family member. And being able to work in something that you actually do go home every day and feel like, wow, I'm actually making a difference in the product and the work that I do. does make you feel good it's not just about um, you know a, a promotion or you know some other you know, economic benefit obviously those things are important to people
1: sure
0: but um, we have a tremendous culture that's really very mission driven around what we're trying to do here um, and we look at healthcare, uh, the delivery of it in the United States as being a, a broken system in terms of the delivery we've got tremendous technology but if healthcare um, was rated the way hotels were, um, I believe we'd be getting, you know, one star in terms of the service. <laughs> um, so we're trying to do our part to improve that, and and we are making a difference. Um, so and our company feels that, and we're growing, you know, you know, accordingly. I think um, by the end of this year, we're going to have about 150 employees. Uh, when we started in earnest, you know, roughly four years ago, there was four of us. Um, and it's just been a joy to be able to, to be a part of something that uh, y- you know you're making a difference, and uh, it's been challenging, no doubt, um, and will continue to be challenging. We've got a lot of wood to chop between here and there, sure. um, I, but it's, um, it's exciting, and it's been uh, a, a tremendous amount of fun, and I'm very grateful to have the, had the opportunity to be a part of this.
2: Well, yes, thank you. Uh, I, I would tell you that my experience is, is that the, you've said it a couple of times in this interview, uh, the, the mission-driven nature of a startup is critical. I mean, we all know that there's, um, there's wealth to be creative and created in the startup world, but when you're mission-driven and you're focused on what it is that you're trying to accomplish, and it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing, um, it's, it, it adds a lot of clarity. And I, I like to think of it as this organization is going to go on, and it's going to make a difference, and we're going to be part of that. And then when the time comes, you can evaluate whether you've created any wealth, but more than more than likely you will if you have that have that sort of focus. Um. So anyway, I'll leave it at that. Unless you have any closing comments for our listeners.
0: No, I just uh, appreciate the time, uh, Steve, and uh, that that you've given me to. You know, allow uh, me to talk a little bit about uh, kind of what what we're doing, and uh, I'm I'm grateful to you for that.
2: Sure, my pleasure, and and thank you for joining us.
1: Well, Andrew Brooks, thank you for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. It was great to hear the Tiger Text story, and Steve Krupa of the Silos Group. Another great job hosting this podcast and uh, leading a very interesting. Conversation about the changes coming in our healthcare system. Steve's done a great job in this maiden voyage of the Breaking Health podcast series, but we're going to take a short break over the last two weeks of the year to uh, spend some time with our family. So tune in in early January as we renew these tales of innovation. And from all of us at HealthyG, we hope you have a happy holiday season and a very, very happy new year.